All right. We'll go ahead and get into our message then. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter number 12. We're finishing up the passage concerning chastisement. Uh, so, again, that began with the idea that we have not strived to blood. You know, we've not fought to the point where blood was necessary, uh, where, you know, we're, we're beaten and broken and bleeding when it comes to resisting sin. And that is the beginning of the thought because that's the moment where he's telling you that God has a right to chasten his children because we had an opportunity to resist sin. We could have done better, but we gave in long before we got to the point of having to fight to the point of blood. Uh, so that's where that idea begins. And then we read on further up to verse 13. I will go ahead and read all of it just to give us context uh, going into verse 13. But we're only going to talk about verse 11, 12, and 13 tonight. It says, Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sins, verse 4, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endured chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. Uh, for what son is he whom the Lord chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Here's where our passage begins. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which be is lame be turned out of the way, but it, let it rather be healed. Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for all that you do. We pray that you watch over us, help us to serve you, Lord. We thank you and praise you, God, again, for all that you do, and just pray that you just work in this service and in this message. Use it to speak to our hearts, God, and bring comfort. We ask it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we come to the end of what he has to say about chastisement, we've seen that we shouldn't despise the chastening of the Lord because chastisement indicates we are His children. Uh, God chastens His children. And if God is chastening you, it means you are His child. Uh, if He's not chastening you, it means you are not His child. You are a creation of His, but you are not His child legally. You are a bastard, uh, is what He says. And it's very hard language, but it's there for a reason. Uh, it's there to get the point across that someone... Uh, who God created, but he, they have not received him as their father, because that's how we become the sons of God, those who received him, uh, that they are not his children, and that's why he doesn't chasten them. And so you have that thought, that we shouldn't be upset about the chastening of the Lord, because it means we're his children, and he's doing it in love, because God chastens his children in love. Then we saw last week that the chastisement of God is for our prophet, that a father who loves their child will chasten them. In fact, God was so strong with his language in the book of Proverbs concerning this that he says a father who does not chasten their child or a mother who does not chasten their child does not truly love their child, at least not the way they think they do. He says they hate them when they do not do this. Now, just again to remind you, and if one person has to carry two children, it's getting pretty bad. Uh, but just again to remind you that chastisement is something 
that, or I'm sorry, love is something that is on a spectrum to where when God says love, it doesn't mean that you automatically care with such a deep love. You would sacrifice your life for somebody. You could love somebody like you love chicken or love a holiday or love a vacation. You wouldn't give your life for it, but you enjoy it. You can hate somebody without being absolute despising and hate and wanting that person to die either. It's a spectrum wherein anything below zero is hatred. Anything above it is love. So when he talks about that you hate your child, you do not love them when you don't chasten them, he means that you don't love them the way you think you do. You're actually hurting them, and if you love them more, you would chasten them because it's for their profit. It drives out the foolishness that is bound in the heart of a child, uh, and if you're not willing to chasten them, then you are depriving them from something they need. Now, we showed last week, though, when he talks about chastisement, he's not merely talking about giving a correction like a spanking or a scourging or whatever he says here. Uh, but he's talking about something more wherein it's the rod and reproof. Chastisement requires that there is a physical punishment and a reproof being given. So he says, if when you, if I can put it like this, if you're somebody who you only want to reprove your children and tell them, no, you shouldn't do that, here's why you don't do it, that's a reproof. And he says, that's good, but that's not enough. And if you don't do that, then you don't truly love your children the way you think you do. He says, on the other hand, if you're the kind of parent that every time something goes wrong, you get mad and you fly off and you give them a huge spanking, but you don't set them down and explain to them, look, this is why you don't do that, this is wrong, then you also don't love them the way you think you do. Because a spanking by itself does not correct anything, it just afflicts somebody. And that's where our message picks up tonight, is we're going to see that God actually does this for our healing. Uh, it is very much given throughout the Bible as a relationship like a doctor, that he cuts you. He does his operation, but when he's done, he sews you up. Uh, and if you have one of those without the other, it's like a doctor who bandages you without ever having cut out the disease, uh, or a doctor who cuts you but doesn't bandage you up. That's what you get if you don't have the rod and the reproof. If you don't have both of those things, then you are putting bandages on somebody and playing doctor uh, because you're telling them you shouldn't do this, and you're giving all those things, but you're not actually dealing with the infection, the, the problem down inside of them. The other side of that, if you're just giving the, the spankings and the correction and all this stuff without giving a reproof, is you're like a doctor who is cutting open their, uh, their patients but never doing anything to make sure they heal, never sewing it up, never bandaging, uh, never fixing the problem on that side either. So both are required in order to be able to heal the person. And that's why God uses his terminology. So now, understanding what the idea overall is, Let's look at the passage verse by verse here in verse 11. It says, Now no chastening for the, re for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So he says, you have to understand, up front, no chastisement is pleasurable. Like nobody wants to get a spanking. Nobody wants to be fussed at and told that they're wrong. Nobody likes that. Uh, and that's why, like... you. I understand as a pastor, when I have to preach certain things and you look at me like you hate me, I get that because nobody likes to be told that what they're doing is sin. Nobody likes to be told that what they're doing is wrong. Nobody likes to be corrected. Uh, I know that of myself, that sometimes people come to me and they have some criticism and I don't like it at the time, but after you give me a moment to settle down and think about it, let me sleep over it on the night or something, and tomorrow when I have fresh eyes and it's not feeling like a personal attack, my opinion will change very much. Uh, and that's what we have to understand with everything, is when we get away from the hurt, the sensitivity, many times we can step back and look at what was said with a different eyes, with a different light. Uh, and so many times something hurts you up front, 
that is for your good, but you can't feel that in the moment because all you can feel is I just had surgery and I'm very tender and sensitive there now because it hurts because something was cut out of me. That's what we feel in the beginning. You know, all you can feel in the beginning is uh, my mommy and daddy don't love me because they spanked me. You know, but you don't realize that they're actually helping you with something very, very important when they do that. So the same thing is true of a preacher. I may get up and I preach something that hurts you. Same thing is true of reading your Bible. The Bible may correct you very harshly on something. And at the time, you get offended by it or you get upset by it. But he says that's normal that you don't immediately receive and enjoy it when somebody corrects you. So I'm giving you that as something of an encouragement. It sounds like a reproof in itself, but it's actually something to understand that it's natural that because pride is present within our flesh, because we have all these emotions and all these things within us, it's natural that in the beginning when you first get the spanking that you don't appreciate it. It's later that you learn to appreciate these things, when the healing begins. You don't appreciate it when you're still sore. Uh, and if I can continue with the illustration that will run through most of the night of a doctor you don't appreciate the surgery when it first happens. Uh, when you first get cut on and you're there sore and you're laying in a hospital bed and you feel like you'd be better off if you just died, uh, you don't appreciate whatever the doctor did to you. But when you start to recover and you start to heal and you can get up and do things that you haven't been able to do for a while because they fixed the problem, then you start to appreciate what was done. Uh, and that's the illustration that God is running with here when it comes to chastisement is that it's like a surgeon cutting out the cancer, the surgeon cutting out the disease, cutting out the infection, cutting out whatever. And in the moment when it happens, you don't see the healing. You don't see the benefit. You see the pain. You see that I didn't like that. That doesn't feel good. It's only when the healing comes that you actually appreciate what was being done to you. And that's true of God's chastisement as well. So he says, no, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth peaceable fruit of righteousness, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So he says, if you've been exercised in chastisement, you know, you're the one who got the spanking. Uh, right now, it seems grievous to you. You don't like it. But later, when the fruit that comes from that, when that starts to be seen in your life, when you start to see the fruit manifested from it, that's when you'll start to appreciate it. And I can put this from a... I'm mostly going to be talking about this to the perspective of you being the one who gets chastened tonight. But even as a parent, I can put this from the other perspective as well. No parent likes to chasten their children unless there's something wrong with their heart. Like, nobody enjoys that I'm going to go straighten them out. And if you do, it means you're doing it in anger and you have a problem that you're not doing it right. Uh, you know, if you're doing it to satisfy your wrath, then there's something wrong. Uh, and that's the only reason why you would enjoy giving a spanking to somebody. It's the only reason why you would enjoy fighting with somebody or arguing or calling somebody bad names or any of this kind of stuff is because you're doing it within your wrath and you're trying to satisfy your wrath. Uh, and that's why it feels good in that moment because you're satisfying your wrath. You know, you're appeasing your anger. So if that's the way somebody is correcting their child, then I can just tell you up front you're wrong because that's not God's very clear that you're not to do stuff out of wrath. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Uh, you're not to be doing things in wrath. Vengeance is not yours. It belongs to God. And when you take it, you're stealing from him. So when we do stuff in wrath, that's wrong. But what we can know is this, that when you chasten your child correctly, any parent in the moment doesn't like that. Even sometimes you may have anger involved. Like there's times where I fuss at my kids and I'm mad. Like I'm fussing more than I would like. Uh, and I feel bad about it because of the fact that I was mad and I said something you know, louder or meaner than whatever I intended to say it. 
And I feel bad for that, and it hurts. And some of that I, you have to learn to deal with. Like, you have to learn how to control temper and all of that. But anytime you have to correct your children, in general, you don't enjoy that. But when one day, one day when you see the fruit of it, and you see that that chastisement has actually manifested something, and that child learned their lesson, and they're doing the right thing now, not having to be fussed at, not having to be uh, yelled at, not having to be argued with, but they're just doing the right thing because you got the foolishness out of their heart. You did your job. Your surgery was successful. That's when you start to enjoy it as a parent also who chastens their children. That's when you start to feel good about what you had to do when dealing with a child because you see the fruit of it. So that's the point. When you see the fruit of something, that's when the suffering is worth it. That's when the hard time is worth it. I mean, God even talks about that with a, a mother who's giving birth to a child, that when she's uh, bu- building up to the point of giving birth, you get to the point where it's like, never again, I, I, it's, I'll never do this, and no more children, all this kind of stuff. Every woman, you, you don't have to single one out. It's every single woman uh, who ever lived. Uh, it's, as they're building up to the point of it, it's, you know, it, the, the pain is so great, they can't imagine. But as soon as that baby's placed within their arms, they start talking about the next one. I'm not saying, Lori can shake her head, no, but I almost, I I would not video her because it's a very private moment for her. Uh, But if I had video, I could prove to you that with every child, the moment she has the the one in her arms, she's already talking about, like her whole thing of right now, it's never, never another, never again, I'll never have another child, Uh, you stay away from me, all this kind of stuff, Uh, all that, and every woman's like it, you can be honest with yourselves. And those of you who are not married, never had children, you've not experienced this yet. Uh, but just know that when you do and you act like that, every other woman's like that as well. Uh, but as soon as you have the fruit of all the suffering in your hand and that child's in your hand, you forget all about the suffering for a time. And God uses that illustration in the Bible. I mean, he says that himself uh, within the Bible because it's normal that that's the way it is. When the suffering passes, uh, you don't immediately appreciate the work that you put in until you see the fruit. Uh, I mean, when you do all the work to plant a harvest, you're not going to appreciate what work you did until you actually start to see something growing. Uh, And that's why I don't appreciate doing all the work to do a harvest, because I've never seen anything grow from planting crops myself. Uh, I don't have a green thumb, and I can't do it, so I don't appreciate that work. My mother-in-law can grow uh, a jungle in the desert, so for her, she appreciates it. She's happy to do that work, because she knows that something's going to come from it. And I have that with people, that I have people, of course, I put a lot of labor and a lot of time into them, and then eventually they walk away because they just don't believe something about the Bible, and I accept that. That's part of the thing. You know, it's, There's always going to be a percentage of people who you can't help them because they don't want to be helped, but no matter how hard and difficult it is at times to work with people, I have worked with people long enough that the fruit that I expect is worth the labor that I'm putting into it, and so sometimes it's hard to appreciate that because you're not seeing the fruit yet. But the moment you see the fruit, that's when all the suffering is worth it. And God's taking that same concept that we understand universally about pretty much everything in our house. You don't mind your job after you get a paycheck. You don't mind uh, you know, all the work after you eat the fruit from it. Uh, you, know, you don't mind these things when you see the fruit from it. God says the same thing's true of chastisement. That right now you may not like that God's chastening you about something, but as soon as you see the fruit of it, you'll change your mind. Uh, as soon as you see that God has changed something in your heart and made you a better person from this, Uh, you'll change your mind about being upset that he had to chasten you. Uh, As soon as you see that uh, the chastening you've given to your child has produced something good within their heart, you'll change your mind about not liking the chastisement. But it's not until you see the fruit that you'll begin to appreciate these things. 
And then in verse number 12, it says, uh, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Verse 13 says, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So he says, right now, you may be going through a chastisement. Not a trial, but a chastisement. Trial implies that you don't necessarily have done anything to deserve to be here. Chastisement means you did something to be here. Like God is chastening you because you've done something wrong, and now you have to get a correction. You need a, a spanking for this. So God says that right now, or maybe some other point you'll need to apply this. Maybe you're not going through a chastisement right now. You don't have to be going through a chastisement. Again, it's based off of your actions. But at some point in your life when you're going through a chastisement, because you cannot see the fruit of it in that moment, your knees are going to be feeble. You're going to be weary. You're going to be tired. Uh, it's going to feel like it's the end of the world at times. Uh, and I can tell you the times where God's dealt with me, that's what it feels like. I've, you... you can't sleep at night, you're in pain, you're hurting physically, not just emotionally, but all these kind of things because of the fact that you're going through the chastening of God. God is dealing with you, uh, and it's not easy. The heat has been turned up, the pressure is on, uh, and you feel like somebody who's in a great deal of pain because of that. And so he says, though, to lift up the, the feeble knees, you know, or to, to uh, sorry, he says, lift up the hands which hang down. Those hands which have lost their strength. You, know, you just don't feel like lifting them up anymore. Uh, you don't feel like doing anything anymore. You're, you're lost all the strength that's gone out of you. He says lift those up because you're not supposed to despise the chastening of the Lord. God's chastening is here for your healing. He says those knees that are feeble, uh, to, to strengthen those knees uh, that are feeble, those ones that, you know, they just, all the strength's gone out of them. You don't feel like standing. You don't feel like moving. You don't feel like doing anything. He says strengthen those things. Because this chastisement is not for your destruction. It's not something that you're supposed to despise. You're not supposed to be upset about it. You're supposed to be letting God do His perfect work within you to heal and cleanse out whatever thing is in your life that should not be there. Uh, and so that's why the chastening of the Lord, we're not supposed to despise it, which again is the verse he's quoting from Proverbs at the center of all of this. Then in verse number 13, he says, And make straight the path of your feet. So to make straight is like to secure. It's, it's, not, you know, it's not like the way we normally would look at it, but it's to make it where it's safe, the way you're walking. He says, lest uh, that which is lame be turned out of the way. So unless you're, you know, while you're walking, your feet are numb and your, your knees are feeble and your hands are hanging down. If I can put it like this, it's, it's you trip more when you're tired than when you're not. I mean, you understand that. Like when you're tired and you're walking and you're, you're, you're already getting sore, your joints are starting to hurt, your knees are feeble, your hands are hanging down. Uh, he said, he uses the term lame to mean something that you can't use anymore, like when your foot is crippled. But you understand in this case, he's looking more at that idea of like when you're tired and just like you're dragging your feet now because uh, you've walked all you can walk. He's, when you're like that, you trip more because of the fact that you're not being careful where you're going anymore. You're not paying attention you're just dragging along that which is feeble. You're, you're dragging your feet along and it's catching everything now and you trip and all this kind of stuff. He's saying you need to straighten yourself up and be careful when God's chastening you because while you're over here moping about and being discouraged and being hurt about it, you're going to wind up hurting yourself in a different way. You're going to wind up tripping. Your, your foot's going to go out of the way because your path is not secure. It's not straight. Uh, you're not paying attention to where you're going you're too busy being upset because the chastisement is not pleasurable right now because I've not yet seen the fruit of it. 
you're going to actually hurt yourself where God's not hurting you. God's trying to heal you. You are going to hurt yourself. And what that looks like is sometimes when God is chastening you, you get in a bad mood and you say something to your spouse that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. Sometimes while God is chastening you, you'll get mad and do something that uh, causes you permanent consequences. Sometimes you'll get out of church, you'll you know, make enemies with somebody, uh, you'll make a decision that hurts you because you let the chastening of God that was supposed to heal you make you weary and make you get to a place to where you're tired and you're not making the right decisions anymore. So this is what verse 13 is talking about. It's, you know, verse 12 is about straighten up and get your, you know, strengthen yourself because there's no reason to be upset. God is doing this to help you. Verse 13 is about the idea that you and I are, have to be careful that if we let our tiredness and the, the hardship that comes during the chastisement cause us to make the wrong decision, you know, to let our feet go out of the way, to step somewhere we're not supposed to, well, you might roll your ankle because you're tired, but it's going to be a lot worse now than if you had just kept walking the path God told you to. If you'd stay because you were tired and weren't paying attention to where you were going, you stepped in a hole, and now you've hurt your ankle, and you have to walk home with a limp now instead of just a tired foot. You understand what I mean by that? Is this idea that you're going to hurt yourself worse if you let the chastisement weary you instead of heal you. Uh, and again, likening that to children is pretty easy. Sometimes when you're correcting a child, they'll let pride swell up within their heart and they'll say something back to you. And where they were about to just get a little punishment, they're about to get a very big punishment because they said something they shouldn't have uh, because they let their pride swell up within their heart and they got upset. And you, you're just still young enough, they don't do that yet. You'll, you'll get there eventually. But uh, <coughs> the point is that sometimes when you're correcting, and you can maybe relate this also as a relationship as a husband and wife, sometimes you're trying to talk to the other one about something they're wrong about, and instead of taking the rebuke, they respond in pride, and they say something that is honestly not wise. It's just something foolish. And so because of that, you get a new problem. Like, you could have just had a small problem, and it could have been fixed easily if you just let the rebuke take place and let it go and learn from it. But because you fought back in pride or whatever, now you have a greater problem. That's something I think all of us can relate to because we've had some version of this from one angle or the other we've experienced. Either as a parent, a child, a spouse, whatever, or somebody just walking down the path and your feet are tired. The illustration he's actually using here. So he says, but let it rather be healed. So you feel weary, you feel tired, you're to the point where your feet feel lame, your knees are feeble. Uh, your hands are hanging down. That's where you get in the midst of a true, like, hard chastisement. But he says, instead of, you know, just stumbling along and hurting yourself worse, let God heal you. And that's the point of actually this whole passage, is God's chastisement is always for what is right. God's chastisement is never, like, I chasten at my children for stuff that's my opinion. That was something we saw last week. There's things that I chase in my children, like I'll fuss at them, I'll put rules against this, because I personally just don't like it. And I have a right to do it in my house. It's, I mean, like, if we're talking about child abuse, we're talking about uh, being crazy, that's different. But we're talking about just normal things, wherein I don't like certain things, and I'm allowed to put rules against that within my home. It's normal. Uh, there's plenty of things that Lori doesn't like, that there's rules for the kids about that, because she just doesn't like that. Uh, there's plenty of things I have rules about, because I just don't like that. It's not a moral issue, it's just I don't like it. And you have that. Everybody has that in their home. If you're going to pay rent on it, pay mortgage on it, whatever you're paying on it, uh, it's normal that you want it to be a place where you like to live. So you have those kind of rules. But God says the difference between you and I and him 
is that none of his rules are simply, I don't like that, you're not allowed to do that. All of his rules are, that is sin, that is destructive, that is harmful, that has to be driven out of your life, that is a disease that is infesting you and, and hurting you like a cancer or something of that nature would, and it has to be cut out. And so that's why you're going to get a chastisement because foolishness is only driven out of the heart of the child by the rod and correction. It's not driven out because you had a soft talk with them and said, hey, you should do better. It's the rod and reproof that drives foolishness out of the heart of the child. And so it takes both. It takes the, the instruction and it takes the correction. But he says that in his case, it's never because of personal disagreements. It's never motivated by the fact that this child gets on your nerves worse than that child does. None of those things ever come into play. When God chastens you, it's entirely based upon what is right and what is wrong. His moral compass is 100% correct. That's why he alone has the right to seek vengeance and be the judge of such things is because he will always do what's right and he'll never let his own personal emotions and feelings get in the way of that. When God's angry, it's because it's right to be angry. When you're angry, it's not necessarily right to be angry. Uh, when God's upset, it's because he has a right to be upset. You're not always upset because you have the right to be. He's only ever jealous. You sometimes are envious, if you understand the difference between the two. So he always has the right to feel that way when he does it because he's never going to be upset about something that's not his right. Sometimes you get upset and think that you're exercising jealousy, that I have the right to feel like this, but in reality, it's just envy. You don't have the right to feel like that. You just feel like that. Uh, and that's the difference between us and him as to why it should be a comfort to us. So let me give you a few verses here real quick. Try not to stay too long in them because I used a lot of time just to explain the passage itself. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter number 20 and verse number 30. I think I'll probably quote that one to you. It says, The blueness of the wound cleanseth away. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 30. I'll read it since I'm here now. It says, the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do the stripes, the inward parts of the belly. So when he says the inward parts of the belly, he's talking about your heart. He's talking about your emotions. He's talking about who you are as a person. And he says, when you have a wound, the reason why that blueness is there, the blood rushing to that area, is to cleanse away the harm. When he says evil, he doesn't mean moral evil. He means harm. Uh, because it's actually what the word evil typically means. It means the opposite of something that is good. It's to your benefit. It's something that is to your hurt. So he says that hurt that you have there, that's why you get a bruise, is because your body is rushing the blood and things necessary there to cleanse away the harm, the damage that was done, and to bring as much healing as possible that it can to that spot. Then he likens that to you getting a correction. He likens it to you getting chastened. And he says that the same as your body tries to heal itself through this, he says, so do the stripes, the inward parts of the belly. So he says, when you get stripes, that's you know, a beating, he says, when you take that beating, it's because it's cleansing out that harm that is inside of your heart. So maybe some foolish thought has arisen in your heart. Maybe society has put something inside of you. Maybe there's something that your parents didn't deal with that you need to be dealt with. But whatever it is, something hurtful has arisen within your heart. And he says, those stripes, those chastenings will drive it out. Uh, it'll help to heal you and to get that away from you. Psalm 119 actually shows you, like, in practice what that looks like. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful passage. I want to read it to you. Psalm 119, uh, verse 67, and uh, also verse 75. Psalm 119, verse number 67, says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. 
So David says, before I was afflicted. So before something happened to afflict or chasten me, you know, before there was any kind of punishment or before there was any kind of pain, before anything happened to get my attention and wake me up, I went astray. I, I went off the path. I went the way I wanted to, and I got in trouble. But kind of like what we saw there in Hebrews. You know, my feet are tired, and I go over here in the wrong spot. He says, I didn't straighten up and make sure I was going the right direction. I just wandered over here, and I stumbled off the path, and I got in trouble. But the moment I got afflicted, I woke up, and I got back on the path. The moment I got afflicted, that's when I started to serve God and do what I was supposed to. So you see this in practice, what he's saying. He says, I did what I wanted to. I got in trouble until I was afflicted. Once I was afflicted, I have kept my word. So you see that that's what keeps us from going in a self-willed way that's going to hurt us. And then verse number 75 here, Psalm 119. I'm on the same page. Verse number 75 says, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou, art in, that thou in faithfulness hath afflicted me. This goes back to the stuff we said last week about God's judgment, that it's always about what is right and not about you know, just some personal grievance, that it's about what is morally, truly correct. And he says, I know, God, that when you afflicted me, when you did whatever was done that hurt me, that it was because it was what was right. It was what was necessary. It was what was proper. And he says, I can see the fruit of that in my life because before I was afflicted, I did whatever I wanted to. After I was afflicted, I've done your word. I've kept your word, and I've done what you've told me to do. See, it changed his heart to be afflicted. We see this in the New Testament with 1 Corinthians, and I won't turn there because I've got another place here in Psalms I want to go. But in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 32, talking about the Lord's Supper, he says that God chastens us. He talks about the world that he condemns them in that passage. But he says he chastens us so that we don't have to be condemned with the world. You see, God chastens us out of mercy and out of love because he wants to fix the problem without having to deal with you severely. He doesn't want to bring a severe form of punishment. That spanking may seem like a big deal and it may make you tired and it may make your hands hang down and your knees feeble and your feet lame, but he says it's nothing compared to what he would do if it wasn't for his love. If it wasn't for his love, the destruction that would be so much greater uh, would have to come. And it's because of his love that he chastens us instead of exercising wrath immediately for things. And then Psalm 94 says a similar idea, but in relation towards Israel. Psalm 94, verse number 12. It says, Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the, uh, from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. So think about what he just said. He says the people who get chastened by God are blessed. And he says, first of all, it's because he teacheth him the law. He says, blessed is the man whom the Lord chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law. So he says the first reason why you're blessed that God chastens you instead of just dealing with you severely, uh, talking about Israel, of course, but there's great application for you and I here, uh, in fact, as his inheritance, this applies directly to us because this fits with us as well. But he says concerning us as his inheritance, as his children, that when he chastens us, we don't have to be upset about that. Like you don't enjoy it for the present. We get that. God understands that. Everybody understands that. But you don't have to be upset about it because you understand something. That chastisement was to teach you. It was to teach you something about God's word that you're lacking in and help you. He says, that thou mayest give me rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. 
So he says there's coming a point where the wicked are going to have to be punished, but this is not for your punishment that you're going through this. This is to give you rest because the direction you're going in right now is going to hurt you. It's going to do more damage than you realize. And so the chastisement that has come is necessary because it will help you to have rest. It will help take you from the direction that is destructive. And he says, for the Lord, verse 14, for the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. So for Israel, it's a very good verse for you because it shows you God's not done with them, nor would he ever be, uh, that the chastisement is to deal with the problems. Uh, and that's what the tribulation's about again. But for you and I as his inheritance, as his children in the New Testament, as those who have received him, he tells us that the same thing is true. The reason he chastens you is because he's not willing to give up on you. The reason God chastens you is because if he was not your father and you were not his children, he could just walk away from you and not care about the decisions you make and let you go to a reprobate mind and do whatever you want to uh, and destroy your life and destroy the lives of the people around you and all this stuff. And he would be right because it's not his responsibility. It's not his job to deal with that. One day when they have to stand before him as the judge, it'll be his responsibility to deal with that because the judge cares when it's time for the judgment. Like You understand, Like I, I had to go to the judge. I had to answer for uh, my poor driving. I had to go do all of that. But that judge didn't come to my house to bother me before the date of the judgment. It was only on judgment day that that judge cared about what I had done or anything else in my life. I didn't even know who I was until judgment day. God, as a judge, has a time wherein he's going to have to deal with everybody in this world who has not accepted him. But as his children, he says he's not willing to give up on you. And he says the reason he chastens you is because he's not willing to walk away and just let you have a reprobate mind and go do whatever you want to and live your life as if there's no God and he's not doing anything about it. The fact that you are his inheritance, his children, makes him chasten you because he's not willing to give up on you. That would be the alternative, is that he would have to just give up on you and not care anymore. And God's not willing to give up and not care about his children. And everybody in this room who has children understands that. That there are times where they drive you crazy. There are times where you don't know how much you like them, but you still love them. Like you, Whether you actually like them, whether you actually enjoy their presence and their company and want to see their face for the next five minutes, that is up for debate sometimes. Uh, that can be up for debate far more often than most of us ever want to admit. Uh, you feel that way about a lot of people. I know Lori feels that way about me most of the time, uh, that whether she likes me is up for debate. But whether she loves me was settled a long time ago, and that's pretty consistent in her heart. As far as I know, she doesn't uh, you know, question that from day to day. Uh, whether she likes me is a decision she has to make most every morning. She has to wake up and decide, and then throughout the day, every time I speak, she has to reevaluate it. Uh, when I'm sleeping at night and I snore, she has to reevaluate it, all that kind of stuff. So whether you like somebody or not is typically up for debate because you don't always enjoy the presence or company of somebody. You don't always want to be around them. Sometimes you want peace and want to be left alone. But you understand this, that when it's your children, although you may not always like and enjoy them, you love them. And sometimes you have to chasten them even though you don't want to do it. Like it doesn't bring you pleasure to do it, but you have to because you're not willing to let them go to the direction they're going. You're not willing to just give up on them and forsake them. That child is your child, and as long as you have any capacity at all to influence them, you're going to use every bit of it you have. And for you and I, there comes a point where that may end. Like when my child's an adult and they're not under my roof, that capacity may cease. Like I don't necessarily, I'm not promised that they're always going to listen to what I have to say or have contact with me. They may go somewhere and I may never have contact again. You understand that. Like there's a chance for me that I lose that influence at some point. But God says as long as he allows you to exist within this earth, 
you are his child and he has some rule and say in your life because unlike uh, unlike us we you know we outgrow our earthly parents to a degree to where we can go out on our own you never outgrow god to where you go out on your own uh, you'll always be under his roof because you live in his creation and so god says that there's always going to be a point where if you're his child he's not willing to forsake you he's not willing to give up on you and that's why he chastens and then my, I'll skip all the way to my last one. I had one in Job, but it's from Eliphaz anyway, so you may not want to hear it because it's not directly from God. And so it's very possible it could be wrong because Eliphaz could be wrong. But I'll say this. It goes very well with what we've said, and he actually is it's one of the few things he says that I don't think you can argue with him. He's pretty well right about it, that he's just simply telling Job to be happy when God chastens you, uh, that a man who gets chastened should be happy because, uh, and he should not despise it. Uh, because he knows that God, while God is making him sore, he's doing it so that he can bind him up and heal him. And the great evidence that Eliphaz is probably correct about that is that God says that in, in Hosea to the people of Israel. Uh, in Hosea chapter number 6, verse 1 through 3, and I want to read it because it's a very beautiful passage. Hosea chapter number 6, verse 1 through 3, it says, Come, and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and he, we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and shall come, out, come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. So the call here is to return to God, because while he may have chastened them, it may have hurt, that chastisement, he said it was for your healing. He says, he's torn you, but he will heal you. He's smitten you, but he will bind you up. And again, the illustration is very much that of a doctor. I mean, our God is the great physician after all. And so the illustration is very much that of a doctor saying that that doctor may have cut you, but if you don't get up off the operating table and run away, he's going to bind you up when he's done. He's going to sew the, the wound shut and he's going to wrap you up. And it may take you a few days before you get up and feel better, but you will be better if you let the doctor finish his work. And he's pleading to Israel to return. Turn back to God, follow God, because while you don't like what he's doing right now, because right now he's cutting, right now he's tearing, right now uh, he's doing what feels like damage to you, if you don't get off the operating table and you don't run away, he's going to sew you up, he's going to fix it. And when all's said and done, you let some days pass, you'll be able to appreciate everything that God did for you. And the same thing's true for every one of us tonight. That sometimes God's going to tell you you're wrong. Sometimes he's going to rebuke you. Sometimes he's going to chasten you. Sometimes preaching's going to hit you in a way you don't like it. Sometimes your personal Bible reading is going to hit you in a way you don't like it. But he says, if you don't get up and run away because you didn't like what the preacher said, you don't like what the Bible said, you don't like whatever God corrected you, you don't like because he brought some actual physical chastisement into your life, if you don't get up and run away when God starts to correct you, then God can make something more beautiful than what was there before. He can heal and make your life better than what it ever was if you'll just let him finish the surgery. But if you get up and run away while he's still in the middle of the operation, then you're just going to hurt yourself. That's the point he's getting to, is that we don't have to be tired and weary and bitter and angry at God when he chastens us or when he deals with us in some way, knowing that he does it first as a father, he does it second for our benefit, you know, for what's right. He knows what's right, and he's trying to profit us. And then he does it last of all for our healing, so that when it's done, what he gives you will be better than what you gave him. You brought him a life that was diseased, infected, all this stuff, 
and you let him do his perfect work, when he's done, he'll give you back something much more beautiful than that. But it's not going to happen in a day. He says it'll take a few days before that happens. It'll take some time for the healing to see, come to fruit and for you to see what God was doing through everything. Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for what you do. We pray that you watch over us, help us to serve you. Pray, God, that you would take care of us and just help us, Lord, to be faithful to you in all things. I pray, God, that you help us each, Lord, to let you do your perfect work in our lives. Help us to follow you and, Lord, that you would just work in all these things. We thank you for all this and we ask it in your son Jesus' name. All right, I appreciate you being here. I thought I was closing a little bit earlier than what I am, so I apologize for that. But I appreciate you being here. Hope it's been a help to you. And I uh, encourage you to take some time to fellowship. Uh, Leah, you know how to close the live stream? Or do I have to keep the same place you said?